here today with special guest Andrew King. Andrew, thank you very much for coming in. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. So Andrew, tell me a little bit about uh, senior year, what, what it's been like, um, maybe what you're working on right now and where you're involved at Gilman. Yeah, uh, senior year has been great. Um, I think the first semester was a bit of a slog because of like college stuff, but right now I feel a lot more light <laughs> after getting in. Um, and I'm really excited to work on a lot of the extracurricular activities. Um, so with Sunrise right now, we're organizing um, a waste reduction initiative. Um, we're talking about carbon neutrality with other, uh, with the other tri-schools. And right now, um, I'm also doing like an honors English paper. So there's a lot going on right now, um, but I'm excited to sort of invest myself into those. Love it. Um, so you're really into English, obviously, yeah. and writing and poetry, mm -hmm. and I want to cover all those subjects, but where did you really first get started in English or your love for English? Where did that originate? Um, I'd say sophomore year. Um, I remember myself reading a lot more in sophomore year. I think that might be because of the pandemic, honestly. Mm -hmm. You have a lot more time to do whatever. Um, sometimes you might just want to like sit down and journal a little bit. That eventually becomes writing, which has been really so great for like my personal development in upper school. It's, it's just been really great. Interesting. Um, so I've been having my classes journal a lot, just mm -hmm. free writes, and I feel like it has helped or I feel like they've liked it a lot because usually in school you don't get that wide open of a parameter for your writing. It's usually write this paper five paragraphs long about this subject. Mm -hmm. Rarely do you have the opportunity to sit down at a notepad and just write out your thoughts and take your writing wherever it goes. So is that something that you did a lot during the pandemic, you said? Yeah, definitely. Um, not much pressure, so you can just do whatever and let your creativity take hold of you. So it's been really great, yeah. And were you writing poems or journal entries or what kind of things were you really working on? Um, I started out like in like a hybrid form where I would sometimes uh, I would write my prose and then lineate it into poetry. Um, but eventually I worked into poems um, and poems are usually what I write now. I like that. Mm -hmm. What's kind of your process? Like what do you what do you need to do in order to write a good poem? Or is it really just forcing yourself to sit down and, and write? Usually I have an idea like running around in my head and sometimes it runs around for like three months or something and eventually I can sit down and write it down. But if I don't have that idea, it's sort of hard to force it down. Um, so I kind of need that process in my head like, oh, this is something I'm thinking about. This is something I'm really passionate about where I'm obsessed with these past couple weeks or something. Um, and once, that, once I have that in my mind, I can start from there and sort of work from specific image or a specific scene mm -hmm. and develop from there. Hmm. Now, is, um, do you set aside a certain amount of time every day to journal and to write for yourself, or do you kind of need a certain situation? I mean, I think at school and at work, like I like to write a lot of poetry, but during the day to day, you know, you go to school for a certain number of hours, you get home, you eat, mm -hmm. you get your exercise in, or you play your sport or you do your extracurriculars. And by that time it's eight o'clock at night and you're tired, you want to go to bed or you want to do something relaxing. Mm -hmm. So I find it hard to actually find the time to free write or to write poetry. Um, do you work that into your day somehow? Or how does that, how does that work as a high school student? I wish, honestly. Um, 
something that I've been thinking about is sort of getting up earlier and starting to journal in the mornings, but that's also hard because you have to go to sleep early for that, and that's difficult, like, as a high schooler. Um, I'm someone who usually, like, when I feel particularly inspired, sometimes after I read another poem, I'll feel like, oh, this is the time to write. I can crank this out now. Um, let's sit down and write a poem. Mm-hmm. So you were journaling a lot during COVID, and how did you... Um I guess, get interested in the poetic form. So, you know, you could just be writing journal entries, but something has to kind of click to urge you to lineate your lines, like you said, and and actually take the time to work on the form, the poetic form. Mm -hmm. Was there something that spurred that for you? I think just reading other poets. Um, Charlie, who you had on here a while ago, um, he recommended Crush. Um, and I really, really liked Crush. So after reading that, after his recommendation, I was like, oh, okay, this is something I want to do. Um, reading people like Mary Oliver, Louise Glick, mm-hmm. um, who are all really inspiring. They were like, okay, uh, after reading them, I'm like, I could try to do this. Um, obviously I'm not going to be super great at the beginning, but I'm going to try at least. Hmm. So, yeah. I like that. Um, and you took some creative writing classes at Gilman too? Yeah, I'm taking creative writing right now with Mr. Uccini, which is amazing. Um, we have a really great group of students and writers. Um, and I've also taken a couple of like outside of school courses. Um, I actually went to a summer writing workshop um, this past summer um, at Kenyon College, which, which was really magical. Interesting. Because you're in a space with all of these other young writers who are all sort of passionate about what they're doing. Um, and I've just never had that sort of exposure before. So um, being in that space was just really, really fun. Um, and yeah, that made me m- want to sort of commit myself more after seeing how everyone else was already so passionate about this. Interesting. We uh, we did a podcast a couple of days ago with Elise Altschuler from the lower school, and she went to Kenyon. Mm-hmm. So she was telling us all about just the beauty. I mean, it's the middle of nowhere, Ohio, right? And this is in the summertime. It's gorgeous. Um yeah, it reminds me a lot of the program I'm doing, Breadloaf Program mm. in, in Vermont, and it's just beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. It's like there's not much else you can do but enjoy the nature, go on a hike or a walk or and and read and write, and it's just glorious. Absolutely. What, uh, what led you to want to do this program at Kenyon? Well, I think um, during COVID, a lot of these sort of workshops, um, they were all sort of online, so... Kenyon was like the first in-person workshop that really I knew of. So I was like, oh, let's apply to this, um, see how it goes. And I'd been wanting to sort of get in touch with other people who are super passionate about writing um, for a little bit. And um, after after the pandemic, I think it was really great to connect. And how many more people your age were kind of at this program? It was like 80 or something. Really? A lot of people, yeah. Writers from all over the country? All over the country. Internationals, too, yeah. Hmm. Who were some of the people that you met there? Did you? Did, I'm sure you met a lot of people that you maybe yeah. still keep in touch with or share your work with. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of my outside-of-school friends are all from that camp. Um, I have a future classmate, I guess, who I'm going to school with next year who also went there. And he recently actually won, like, a huge scholarship through this program called Young Arts. Um he won like this Lynn Arson Award, which is like fifty thousand dollars scholarship. Wow! Um, so yeah, a lot of very very talented people, um, and just being in that space and 
not even like trying to compare yourself to them, but just like being in that space with them, um, I think is really, really cool and obviously like a great opportunity. Yeah. How many weeks was it in the summer? It was only two weeks, but it was, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Now, do you get to do it again this upcoming summer or is it a one-time I think it's a one-time thing, but there are other programs out there. So um, I've been thinking about applying, but I think I decided against it this summer. Um, I wanted to stay in Baltimore for a little bit. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, you got into Harvard, which is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. I want to talk to you about that a little bit. Um, what was your experience like in this college application process? And did you go to Harvard uh, for a visit before you got in? Tell me a little bit about that, you know, decision to apply there and then getting in. Yeah. So um, I initially visited I initially visited Harvard in August, um, and it wasn't the best visit, in my opinion. Um, some of the other schools stood out a little bit more, and most of the time I spent on the campus, there were a lot of tourists. Mm -hmm. um, so I mostly spent it in the art museum, which is really cool, but I didn't really get a good feel of what the campus was really like. Um, but what led me to originally apply? Um, so I was thinking about Harvard, thinking about a couple other schools. Um, and then I sat down with Jeffrey, who I know you talked with mm -hmm. before, and we sort of made like a pros and cons list. And he was like, okay, if you have more pros, then you should apply to Harvard. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna apply to Harvard and just made the decision and got in, which was really cool. Um, yeah. That's awesome. What were some of the pros? I mean, if um, the visit wasn't that great. So obviously like there's the name recognition, which is obviously really amazing, um, the connections. But then I was also really passionate about linguistics. Um, and not a lot of schools have like a really fully fledged linguistics program. So um, I know UChicago has one. I know Harvard has one. Um, I think Yale has one. Um, but a lot of the programs were run by, and other schools are run by people who aren't actually faculty, like a part of the linguistics faculty. So I wanted sort of like a devoted linguistics um, curriculum and faculty and program basically where I could sort of commit myself more and have people have professors who are similarly committed. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing place. I think you're going to absolutely love it. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about Harvard is the first year you're in the Harvard yard mm -hmm. with all the other freshmen and you eat at the Annenberg dining hall, which is right there. And as you said, it's just a great way of meeting people. You know, I lived with four random roommates, um, my freshman year and at first I was a little nervous I was like I, I've never lived with anyone else before other than my family in high school so you know going to this place and four people what are they going to be like am I going to be in a you know in an actual room with them like what's the situation going to be like but I think they I don't know how they decide on the different rooms but um my my group was amazing mm -hmm. I mean these guys are people have lifelong connections with and I just met them my freshman year. So yeah, I think they do a good job matching people up and it's just a great community. Like e even just as freshmen, it's a good community because you're all right there next to each mm -hmm. other. Um, so that'll be great. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, so linguistics, how'd you get kind of down that path of linguistics? Yeah, so obviously I like writing a lot um, and so that's sort of connected. Um, but I think the bigger thing is sort of, I've always been interested in language development. Um, my brother is minimally verbal autistic. 
So I've always been sort of interested in like the differences between how language develops in some people and how it might be um, might have barriers in other people. So um, and sort of also thinking about why ling language has been a way for me to express myself while it's so hard for my brother. Um, mm -hmm. So I've always been really interested in that dynamic, and I think linguistics has a lot of um, connections to that. So I was like, okay, this is something that I want to look into more and learn about. So what is that field? I mean, what what specifically are you most interested in within that field that um, you know that you are looking to develop or study at the next level in college? Yeah, part of it is language development. So there's some connections to like psychology and biology there. Um, but I'm also really interested in like the theory. So um, Mr. Cheney, I think last year, he recommended me this book called The Art of Syntax, which originally I was like, why is he giving me a book of this? Like, this sounds incredibly boring. Um, but looking into it, I thought it was actually pretty interesting how syntax and sentences really shape how we think. And um, I don't know, I just thought it was really interesting and I wanted to learn more about it. So sort of thinking about how linguistics relates to how we write and how we also communicate and how that also is hampered um, or different in people with disabilities and stuff like that. Mm, interesting, mm -hmm. I like that. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about your relationship with your brother? Because that seems like that that's maybe a place of um, like where this study or passion originates is maybe your relationship or your observations of your brother and your own writing. Yeah, um, my brother was diagnosed with autism when he was three, um, and we have a pretty big age gap. So I feel like I've never been super like super duper like competitive with him or anything he older or younger? yeah older, older. He, i mean he's he's younger i'm okay like, i'm like eight years older so mm. i've always sort of felt like the big brother so i need to take care of him and stuff like that so um i sort of wrote one of my college essays about that and sort of what it looks like um day to day in my life in my family so um sometimes like when my mother has to uh, go to work or something, um, what it looks like to take care of him, what it looks like. Um, he has like a pretty complex sleep uh, ritual. So how it looks like to take him through that. Um, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and I've always felt super protective of him. So, yeah. Nice. Um, is it just you two? You have more siblings? Just us two. Just us two. Yeah. Cool. Um, so... That's, that sounds good. I mean, uh, so Mr. Cheney seems like he's been a huge role model for you here at Gilman. And, you know, I've really enjoyed my conversation with him about poetry and mm -hmm. kind of what he brings to Gilman. We're going to miss him a lot next year. But yeah. um, I'd love to hear about your relationship to him as a teacher and also just as kind of a role model for you and helping you grow your, uh, your passion and your abilities in poetry. Yeah, I remember in the summer of uh, sophomore year, so, so the summer following sophomore year, I remember um, Mr. Cheney was announced as the new Tickner Fellow, and I was looking into his bio, and I was reading his poems, and I was like, oh my god, someone like this is coming to our school to teach poetry, and I was just super, super pumped. Um, 
So within like the first couple months, I reached out to him. I was like, can you look over some of my poems? And he was like, yeah, let's talk about it. Um, and we've done that for a long time and it's really, really great. Um, he's really helped me grow as a poet and as a writer. And I think also as like a person and thinking about what I care about um, and how I approach art and how that art relates to my life, um, stuff like that. Love it. What's what's his class been like this this semester? It's been really interesting because um, I've been working with him for a little bit. Um, and then there's also some other writers who are sort of less experienced. Um, so there's like, I think it's been really interesting to hear like a diversity of thoughts about like what writing is to different people. Um, and we have a lot of colorful personalities in our class. So it's always entertaining. I feel like for some people, uh, reading at least is an entry point for writing. Like once you learn to appreciate mm -hmm. writing through your own reading, it maybe um, inspires you to make your own writing. Were there certain books that you read or, or books of poetry that you read? I know you mentioned Mary Oliver, mm -hmm. um, but maybe some other things that you read that really inspired you to start creating your own writing and to read more on your own. Yeah, um, Mary Oliver wrote this book called A Poetry Handbook, which I think is a great book of poetry for, for beginners. Like, she also has like her own poems, obviously, but um, I think that was also like a great starting point um, where I was like, okay, uh, I can use this book and sort of have it guide me um, wherever. Uh, reading a lot of other people like Jericho Brown, um, Victoria Chang, uh, Natalie Diaz are all like more established uh, poets that I really look up to. Um, and I've always been super inspired by their work and um, thinking about how I can sort of steal from them, mm -hmm. not necessarily like in a plagiarized way, but look at their techniques and sort of how I can implement what they do um, for my work. Yeah, I think that's a great way of, of putting it. You mm -hmm. know, it's like you almost learn through osmosis in your reading because yeah. you see things that you like and mm -hmm. that you want to replicate in your own work. And, you know, it's not verbatim, but it's you're using their styles like all great artists do. Yeah. Um, so your reading process, I mean, do you usually go online and look up certain writers? I've been reading this collection, um, Tracy K. Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Life on Mars, and I found this in the library. And I'd never really done this before with a collection of poems, but I've been reading them kind of uh, one by one, like through the whole book. Mm -hmm. You know, usually I kind of just look through and see what's appealing to me. But I think it's interesting, almost like listening to an album song by song um, to do it this way. But what is kind of your reading style like when you... Um, find a specific po poet that you like? Yeah, usually um, I think online there's like a ton of ways you can access someone's poetry. There's a lot of like online magazines you can just access for free. So that's like the number one way like, oh, this is a writer um, whose poem I really liked. Let's see like what else have they published? And I'm like, okay, this is their website and there's like 50 other poems. Like, okay, mm -hmm. um, I might want to buy their collection or something like that. So yeah, I, I think looking online and being like engaged that way is a really great way to get exposed to other writers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I mean, I, I've been loving her, Tracy mm -hmm. K. Smith. Um, she's actually speaking 
to the bread loaf group that I'm in. And I thought it was going to be in person this summer, but mm-hmm. it's actually a virtual mm-hmm. event coming up. But still, I'm excited to hear from her. And, you know, I, I know she's a big time person, but I'm going to try to invite her on the podcast and see if I can yeah. get her. It's going to be tough, but um, I'm kind of into reading her stuff right now. And then another poet that I really like is Wall Stevens. Have you read much of him? Uh, not a ton, but a little bit. Yeah. I think he's interesting. Um because I think he really gets at what you're trying to say with the linguistic study. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there's some things that he does in his poetry that he expresses ideas and thoughts that are so deep and profound and hard to get at um, through language mm-hmm. or through the gaps in his language. And what I like the, the most about him is um, he's so cryptic and it's so mysterious and there's no real answer. It's almost each poem is so confusing. Mm-hmm. And I never feel like I fully understand each of his poems, really. Yeah. Um, but I feel I still feel like something is expressed in them, um, which I think is the mark of a good poem. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Being able to read over a poem over and over again and still finding new things that you like about it. Like, I think that's what makes it a good poem, you know, mm-hmm. like new mysteries every time you read yeah yeah uh what book did you bring in today yeah i brought in um this is the next american revolution by grace lee boggs um so she's a pretty established activist um in the asian american movement but also in the black power movement and the labor movements um and she wrote this when she was 95 which is really really cool um and Basically, she talks about her experience as an activist and what she's done for the communities and talk, talks about sort of what's the way forward um, to making sustainable social change within uh, communities that have been sort of neglected. Um, so she, she lives in Detroit, or she lived in Detroit and organized uh, and dedicated a lot of her life to Detroit and founded um, this program called Detroit Summer. Um, and in it, she basically details her experiences and um, the challenges of working in that sort of system, but also uh, what we need to do going forward. Um, so I thought it was like pretty easy to understand, but there were also like a lot of complex ideas in there regarding like reform versus revolution, mm-hmm. Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, um, which was pretty complicated, but sh- she wrote it in a way that was really easy to understand. Interesting. So how did you uh, come across this book? Yeah. So Mr. Fitz actually recommended it to me. Um, we were talking about sunrise and sort of the way forward for climate in America. And even though this was written in like 2011, she was like remarkably like foresighted in, the, in that she knew like the environmental catastrophe that was upon us. So um, she was able to document a lot of that in the book. Um, and Mr. Fitz was like, hey, you should probably read this and see how it can apply to sort of your work in Sunrise and also just your, your life going forward, yeah. So tell me a little bit about Sunrise because I am vaguely familiar with mm-hmm. what Sunrise actually is. So Sunrise is a national climate movement. Um, it's, it's called the Sunrise Movement. They're pretty linked to the, like the Green New Deal and like climate bills and stuff like that. Um, Sunrise Tri Schools is what we do here with um, Brimar and RPCS. It's a little more autonomous, so it's not really connected to the uh, national movement, but 
right now we're focusing on sort of how we can make the tri-schools more carbon neutral, how we can make them more green and sustainable for um, the generations to come. So right now we're looking at building partnerships with um, a lot of community solar farms. Uh, right now we're looking at sort of how we can reduce our waste, especially within the cafeteria. Um, and I'm really excited to see where it'll go next. Um, we, I think we have great leaders for next year, so I'm excited. Yeah. Any specific ideas that you're working to implement, like on a, a school-wide basis here at Gilman? Yeah. So next month, um, or after really when we get back from spring break, um, we'll be talking a little bit about Sunrise Sunrise Week and uh, waste reduction initiative. So our goal is basically to have um, the waste right right now um, we're collecting data over basically two weeks um, basically weighing the amount of trash and compost that we're producing every day and over the next uh, few weeks or so we'll be sort of collecting that data and comparing sort of the percent of waste reduction um, from the previous week and based on that amount of percent of waste reduction um, there will be a reward involved and hopefully some dress down days depending on what the administration says so yeah, yeah. i mean you you have to incentivize Definitely. for sure but yeah. i think you know i think it's very important and i think there is so much waste like if we kind of just look around at mm -hmm. even on a personal level you know it's like how much waste do i produce in a week mm -hmm. um and energy do i consume my house in a week there's so many things that i think we can do just to almost look ourselves in the mirror and mm -hmm. figure out ways to just turn it down a little bit, you know, turn the lights off, take shorter showers, compost if you can, you know, some other, some other things. But how about on a personal level for you? Do you, you know, what do you, what do you really do or, or focus on personally to reduce your, I guess, waste or energy you produce? I mean, I think mostly right now we're thinking about food waste. Um, so at home, that's something I like to think about. So, always finishing your plate and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, that's something I think my family has always instilled in me. But um, sort of at Gilman, um, a lot of the waste that we produce goes directly into the wheelabrator incinerator in Baltimore, um, which directly impacts a lot of the lower income communities there. Um, and especially in Southern Baltimore where you'll see like increased asthma rates, increased lung cancer rates the areas surrounding this incinerator um, so it's really kind of scary to see like how the waste that we produce is directly or indirectly harming a lot of these communities um, so that's something that we want to think about um, sort of connecting waste reduction to environmental justice mm -hmm. um, and going forward how we can sort of think keep this in mind um, even after sunrise sunrise week and all of that um, is there a way that you could maybe, is there something you could study maybe at Harvard that has to do with this? Because I feel like there, you know, there's something there that you are passionate about in this subject as well yeah. with linguistics and poetry. Um, I think there's a concentration called environmental science and public policy, which I think is pretty interesting and I'm definitely looking into. Um, I'm also thinking about like educational studies, which would be cool. Um, thinking about how we can educate other people about especially like K through 12, um, mm -hmm. how to be more sustainable as like a citizen. Um, something that we were doing with um, the lower and middle schools is we're also 
doing this waste reduction, but we're emphasizing um, sort of the importance of like starting young and um, developing the clean, cleaner habits. So once you get to upper school and more people are coming into the community, um, there's already like an established um, sort of culture of sustainability at Gilman. Hmm. Yeah, I was, um, I get this email every day from Writer's Almanac, hmm. and it's just a good site that they usually tell me about authors and writers' birthdays on a certain day. And a couple of days ago, there was one about Dr. Seuss. And I was just reading a little bit about Dr. Seuss and what you just said gave me an idea. I mean, I think it'd be kind of cool if you think about how big of an impact Dr. Seuss had on young people, you know, across the world. Um, I was just thinking about your different like strengths, things that you're interested in, the environment, poetry, and education for young people. I think it'd be cool to have some kind of like series or book about the environment in kind of a poetic way, yeah. you know, how his style really clicked with younger people because it rhymed and it made sense and it was easy to understand. Something like that might be kind of interesting to just play around with. Absolutely. I'm thinking of like Shel Silverstein right now with like the giving tree and all that. And I think there's like a lot of environmental connections you could also make there. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it could be something for your mm-hmm. um, your internship program here coming up that you can think about because I know you're interested in publishing mm-hmm. or shadowing a publisher. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Trying I'll to have to see myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what are you looking forward to in the last weeks, I guess, of your senior year? I mean, the end of the year is coming up fast. Mm-hmm. You're going to be leaving Gilman soon. Um, what are you looking forward to the most? And maybe what are some things you're going to really miss about Gilman? Um, I really want to like strengthen the, a lot of the relationships I have with a lot of the kids here. Um, I've been at Gilman since sixth grade, so a lot of my life has been spent here. So I want to really cherish those relationships, and I'll definitely miss those as well. Um, I'm also thinking about doing a language program over the summer. Um, so I might be going to Japan for a little bit, um, and I'm trying to learn a little bit of Japanese right now. Wow, so, yeah. jealous. Yeah, I really I'm want excited. I really to Japan. That's great. Um, so what is that program going to be like? Um, it's like uh, four to eight weeks in uh, Nagoya. Um, I don't think I'm going to do the eight-week program, but um, it's just basically like a language immersion program where you'll be in a same, same classes with a lot of other international students, um, and be able to sort of express yourself in Japanese at all times. So wow, I'm excited. So do you know any Japanese now? I've been on what is it, 20 days on Duolingo. <laughs> so Duolingo works. It, I mean, it does. It helps. It does. I think so. Yeah. Um, and there's like a little bit of carryover between Chinese and Japanese. So it's been helpful. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you know, Jap, or you know, Chinese pretty well. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Cool. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about some other classes that you're taking right now or have taken that have really kind of made an impact on you here at Gilman? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about um, Spanish literature right now with Mr. Zeland, which has been, I think, one of the hardest classes at Gilman, but also like one of the most rewarding. Um, I never really thought I'd be like obsessing over like 15th century, 16th century Spanish writers, but um, it's been really cool. Uh, recently, not recently, but like a month ago, 
we were reading this poem by um, Becker, and it's talking about sort of, um, it's like in the romantic strain of poetry, and honestly, it's become one, like one of my favorite poems like of all time. Becker? Like, Becker, that? yeah. Okay. Um, and it's just really cool to see like how different artistic and political and cultural movements can connect to the literature that you read. Um, so that I'm also sort of thinking about that for, for college. Um, history and literature, I know, is like a concentration mm -hmm. at Harvard. So thinking about that and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's an awesome one. I think I think one of the coolest things, though, at Harvard and just mm -hmm. in college is you have general requirements that you knock out during your freshman year. So yeah. I think there are maybe 12 gen ed classes that you have to take. And for that, I mean, you just want to choose classes that you're slightly interested in that mm -hmm. you think, you know, could lead to something or not. Just could be a cool experience. But, you know, take something in the hist and lit department or something in the linguistics, something in environment mm -hmm. and just kind of see what you want to do. I mean, I always knew that I loved English mm -hmm. from probably fifth or sixth grade, but it didn't really click that I would study that until I took this guy, Philip Fisher was an English professor at Harvard. And he was just, I went to one of his lectures during shopping week, the first week where you kind of choose your classes. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away by this guy. And I knew that was what I wanted to do right from that one lecture. So I think, I think it's good advice just to open yourself up to as many different classes and opportunities as you can in your first year, you know, mm -hmm. I think that's, what's cool about the dining hall too. And the living situation is you just have access to all these different people from all over the world that you can become best friends with just through one conversation. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm super, super excited. Yeah. Now, have you been up there since your first visit, even though your first visit wasn't like, yeah, amazing. Um, I went over a president's day weekend. Um, and I got mistaken as a student, like three or four times, which was pretty cool. <laughs> um, and sort of just like sitting in the libraries and sort of getting the feel of it and meeting up with a couple of friends who were also there. So it was cool. Yeah. Okay. So you know some people who are already there. Yeah. You find that a lot of the people who are like really committed to writing are also like really great students and they're also at Harvard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of the people I knew at Kenyon were also at Harvard. That's cool. So what's Kenyon like? I mean, it sounds like it was an amazing place mm -hmm. but in the summertime it's got to be uh, you know just beautiful and you were only there for two weeks but still I wish it was longer honestly um I was talking about this um with a friend but basically it was like uh like half a year or like six months condensed condensed into like two weeks because by the end of like the two weeks you felt like since you'd spend all of your time outside of workshop with other people um it felt like you've made those bonds those bonds over six months rather than two weeks so mm -hmm. um a lot of those friends i hold really dear and it was all writing so you were spending all your free time just working and, and pretty much yeah. um we also had like poetry slam which is pretty cool oh that's great yeah all right andrew well um i was thinking maybe we could finish our episode today with a couple of poems I think you know did you bring a poem in maybe that you'd like to share I've got a couple poems that I could read too from Wall Stevens yeah absolutely um I'll start I guess yeah, yeah. sounds good um this is buzz cut we take it slow deeper I say and deeper she cuts her hands smooth over my nape my scalp my ears 
Grandma says I look like a soldier. Doesn't know I plan on dying at moss green like Frank Ocean or dissident lavender. I listen to the hair clipper murmur, every strand falling deeper into tenderness. It doesn't matter if she never understands me. Love it. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. That's great. I love the Frank Ocean line. Big fan. <laughs> What's your favorite song? Oh, that's hard. It's all um, I really like Pink Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, Forrest Gump. See, I, I can't even decide on one. Ivy, obviously. Does he still have that green hair? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> Very private, public persona. I love this poem, though, and I've, I've read this before. Um, do you mind sharing kind of where the origin or the idea came from? Yeah, so I was actually getting a haircut um, for my grandma, and she's like, hey, you look like a soldier. And I, I felt like there was a little bit of tension there, and I wanted to think about that a little bit more and what, like, being a soldier meant in her eyes and, like, what I wanted to do with my life because that's not something I'm really interested in. Um, like, I wanted to write poems, you know? So um, there's a lot of, like, that tension there between what my family pictured um, me to be and what I wanted to do with my life. Hmm. I like that. Um, and it's ultimately about, like, the compromise between the two. Yeah. When did you write this poem? This was, I think, October, November of last year. So it's been a while. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll read one while Stephen's poem. I think you'd like him if you if you get into him a little bit. But um, I think my favorite one, and I like a lot of his poetry. My favorite one is called "A Rabbit as King of the Ghosts," and it's a super weird one. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I was trying to say is that he's so strange, and a lot of the thing that he's writing about. Um, and it really does invite you to return to it and really scratch your head and, and question what he's talking about a lot of the time. I like this one a lot. I actually found this on YouTube. Bill Murray, the actor, does a reading of this at an event. And, um, and I've always had this book, all of his poems, uh, collected. So I read this, and it's always stuck with me. So this is called A Rabbit as King of the Ghosts. The difficulty to think at the end of the day when the shapeless shadow covers the sun and nothing is left except light on your fur. There was the cat slopping its milk all day. Fat cat, red tongue, green mine, white milk, and August the most peace peaceful month. To be in the grass in the peacefulest time without that monument of cat, the cat forgotten in the moon, and to feel that the light is a rabbit light in which everything is meant for you and nothing need be explained. Then there is nothing to think of. It comes of itself and east rushes west and west rushes down, no matter. The grass is full and full of yourself. The trees around are for you. The whole of the wideness of night is for you, a self that touches all edges you become a self that fills the four corners of night. The red cat hides away in the fur light, and there you are, humped high, humped up. You are humped higher and higher, black as stone. You sit with your head 
like a carving in space, and the little green cat is a bug in the grass. And that's it. It's just it's just so funny, and it's uh, but I think his poems, you know, they're so funny and odd mm-hmm. and bizarre. But when you really get down to it, there's something like really deep there about like the self and the mm-hmm. universe and um, kind of where identity lies. So that's a rabbit is king of the ghosts. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd love to talk some Wall Stevens with you if mm-hmm. you have time to read a couple yeah. of his poems. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Andrew, thank you very much for coming in today. Best thank of luck so to you yeah. for uh, the rest of senior year here. Thank you. Yeah. A couple more weeks. But I appreciate it. Let's talk some more yeah, poetry absolutely. and writing soon. Thank you. Yeah.